The Trial Brief with your host, David Otto. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Trial Brief. I'm your host, David Otto. Today, we have a really special guest on the launch of this podcast. I'm really, really excited, especially in light of the fact that of all of the the protests and the things going on around around the country and around the world, uh, the death of George Floyd at the hands of the Minneapolis police officers on May 25th uh, has sparked protests in cities and small towns all across this country. And those eight minutes and 46 seconds have not only captured our attention, but I think we are at an inflection point. And I couldn't have a better guest today to discuss that with us. I'm honored uh, to have uh, Andrew Laufer. Andy is a fervent and impassioned advocate for victims of police misconduct, uh, prison abuse. He's been litigating civil rights actions for over 21 years, and he's well known here in New York City. He's a very prominent civil rights lawyer. Uh, He's the principal of the law office of Andrew Laufer uh, here in Manhattan. He's a frequent lecturer. Uh, He lectures on topics of uh, police misconduct for various bar associations uh, here in the state. Uh, He's an active member of the board of directors of the New York State Trial Lawyers Association, which I am also a proud member. He's also a member of the National Police Accountability Project and the American Association of Justice. So I want to welcome Andrew Laufer. Andy, thank you so much for being with me today. Well, it's my pleasure, David. This is really something where we're going to be able to get your perspective on this. I mean, you've been doing this for most of your professional life, right? Correct. Yeah, I've been doing it for for a long time now, a couple decades, a little bit more. Yeah. The National Police Accountability Project, what what is that exactly? Well, it's a national, um, you can think of it as like a group uh, of of national civil rights attorneys around the country who deal with these types of matters, police misconduct matters, uh, throughout the United States. You know, they're really at the tip of the sword, so to speak, with regard to all the um, issues that are involved in this particular area. They write amicus briefs regularly in federal court. So it's a a wealth of information for civil rights practitioners such as myself, where you can can seriously bounce off uh, some practitioners that have been doing it for many more decades uh, than even I've been doing it. It's really a great group of people that, that really feel passionate about advocating civil rights and, 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 and changing the way we look at and deal with um, aspects of police misconduct. You know, on the topic of police misconduct, things seem to be boiling over a little bit. And I'm not sure, and I want to get your take on this. I, this mm-hmm. isn't, obviously, this isn't the first time, right? Uh, just in recent times, uh, recent history here in New York and in, and in other places, we've had, let's say, um, death of Eric Garner. Philando Castile. Um, we've sure. seen we've seen Ahmed Arbery, even though that wasn't a police uh, a police case, um, mm-hmm. and uh, and Brianna Taylor. You know, was this what happened to to George Floyd? I mean, was it a, a culmination of of things? Of what what is your take on how we got here? Many things. I mean, it, it's a failure of us to uh, at least officials or people in power to take. This issue seriously it deserves, you know, deserves a lot more attention than it has gotten. It's also a, a, a systematic failure, uh, or I should say, systemic failure of, of departments to adequately discipline these officers or repeat offenders. 
particular individual who murdered George Floyd, because it was a murder, uh, had a very long disciplinary record and you know kept being put back into circulation with this force. You also see a lot of cops, bad cops, who um, you know they get fired from departments, they move somewhere else, and they they join another department. So there's really no national database to track these guys and and, and women. You know, there's so many things that broke down here. It's a failure to supervise, a failure to train, a failure to manage, a failure to discipline, a failure to change the culture. Andy, I want to ask you about the civil rights law in New York State, specifically Section 50A. It's been a topic of of much controversy. And I I remember back in 2014, uh, with the death of Everett Gardner, uh, that article uh, or Section 50A became front and center of, of debate. And it is now, after George Floyd, uh, back into the focus. And in fact, today, uh, this I'm sure we'll be hearing a lot more about it, the New York State Legislature has introduced a number of bills to repeal Section 50A. Now, what Section 50A states is that the uh, personnel records, the disciplinary records of law enforcement are are not to be made public, that they are confidential. And I want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, and, and if you could briefly discuss again how that affects you in, in your practice and how it affects um, uh, the, these victims of uh, police violence. Yes, I've had many uh, run-ins with that particular section. It's so ironic that they call it civil right, the civil rights law, uh, 50A. Basically, you described it correctly. It protects, under state law, LEOs, you know, police officers, display records from being disclosed. If you plead federal claims, like under Section 1983, that doesn't apply. So that's usually how I do it anyway. I mean, you know, usually you'll have both state and federal claims in state court, and you'll do that in federal court as well. The defendants that we deal with in state court always like to put forth that, oh, it's not discoverable, you're entitled to any of this, and then we have to push it to an in-camera inspection. And it really delays lawsuits for years just to get these these records from the defendants here, you know, from, from court counsel, you know, university court counsel, or whoever I'm dealing with. Well, Andrew, um, why, why and are these why are these records important? Well, you know, a number of reasons. You have to show, you know, they'll they'll demonstrate this individual police officer has a lengthy display record that they have a prior history of the things that maybe they did to your own client, and that the city was unnoticed of of, of this prior propensity to beat people up or abuse their authority or detain people where they shouldn't detain people, yet they still keep them in circulation. Yet they fail to properly discipline these people. That can lead to what's referred to as a Monell claim, you know, a pattern in practice. The failure to discipline an officer, whenever you have a discipline, at least with the NYPD in the city, whenever you have an officer who is being disciplined for whatever conduct they've engaged in, 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 in misconduct, it, it has to go through the, the commissioner's office and, and his office either approves or disproves or, or, you know, kind of, you know, may, may change the type of punishment they're getting. So you have a, a, a you know, you have the apex officer keeping his eye on every officer's display record. And, and based upon that, you, you can form, form, I'm getting a little technical here, you can formulate a Monell claim. There's that. There's also regular notice. The city knew that this guy was bad and they didn't do anything about it. So they're going to be held liable for that. And they can't say that we didn't know, you know, if they, if they suddenly want to not uh, represent this officer for whatever reason. So, you know, I, there's a number of reasons why you want this, this information. Yeah. You know, the argument against it, in my opinion, doesn't, doesn't hold water. 
You know, the PBA is very concerned about that this is uh, the repeal of 50A will be used um, to, to basically uh, go after officers and, and to, and I, I'm, I haven't seen a good argument for that. I, I don't know of a, of a scenario that, uh, you know, I would think the PBA would want some sort of transparency. Why don't they it, want it, it, it? It's a ridiculous argument. It's, it's like a perjury trap. You trap me into lying. You know, oh, we can't disclose these records because it'll prove that these cops are bad. You know, but the cop is bad. The cop has all the all all this history of, of abusing his authority, and you fail to discipline him. You fail to get rid of him, and you'd rather, as I've said earlier, cover up his malfeasance so it doesn't reflect poorly on the department or on the PBA or whomever. Get rid of these cops. You have to fire them. You have to get rid of them. The amount of money paid on these type of suits, it could actually help the city in that regard if they get rid of these guys. Sure. And, and, and women, uh, you know, they you know they keep paying and paying and paying. You know, okay, great, but at the end of the day, they're still going out there and beating people up and abusing their authority and arresting people they shouldn't do and engaging in the kind of conduct that gets them in trouble all the time. So it's just it's just like they're throwing their hands up in the air and, and doing nothing about it. And you had mentioned earlier about a this is a systemic problem. This isn't right. an, an isolated problem. Yes, there no. are there are very, very professional, competent, caring, great cops, okay, right? Great police officers in the city of New York and in every other city. Excellent ones. Right, and we we owe them a debt of gratitude for what they do. Sure. Clearly. However, you know, I hear a lot of the the few bad apples, and and it's not a few bad apples. It's more than that. It's more than that. I I cannot tell you how many officers I've had when I finally do get their unredacted Dossier, you know, they're 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 now Robin, you know, uh, search NYPD stuff. Um, it's just a, a disaster. I mean, you see, clan, you see, you see, substantiations of corruption. You know, they're stealing money. They're 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 abusing their authority. They're they're you know uh, detaining people where they shouldn't. They're they're beating people up. They're using excessive force re- repeatedly. You know, three strikes you're out. You, you got to you, you basically have to drop the hammer and you have to get rid of these same. Well, they know who they are. Right. I mean, there, there are actually officers, you know, that are on lists with some of the district attorney's offices, you know, New York City district attorney's offices, that they don't, they, they'll just drop charges that these officers bring them because they know that these officers are bad news. Right. And they'll and those get destroyed lists, on cross-examination. Those lists now are, are, the public can see those, is that correct? Yeah. And, yeah. and crack down on overtime scams. I mean, I have one example where my client was arrested for DWI and he blew a zero-zero. He was a designated driver in a car. Uh, up in the Bronx, he was pulled over, and he he was arrested anyway. He didn't really speak very good English, uh, you know, Spanish speaking um, uh, individual, a man, and and he went through thirty three hours, you know, of being arrested, going you know, blowing a million times, uh, and just keep pulling zero zero, and he went to court seven or eight times, and they finally dismissed the case. And this particular officer has done this numerous times just to keep his to get to make more overtime. And they don't get rid of them. They still, they still keep. That's cor- as far as I'm concerned, it's abusing the system, and that's corruption. And they need to get rid of these guys. Right. Well, on to a different subject here. A little bit of a different subject. We're in the middle of this pandemic. My concerns. I, I, I have a lot of worries about the civil justice system and the criminal justice system uh, mm-hmm. dur- during this pandemic. You know, we mm-hmm. have we have civil and criminal trials have been suspended. 
And yeah, and the the decision by Judge Burke, you know, the criminal judge uh, Manhattan, essentially de facto suspending habeas corpus is is very concerning. And what's what's going on now in the criminal courts? They're doing virtual mm-hmm. uh, virtual arraignments. Yeah, and they're doing virtual hearings. Yeah, how's it impacted? If you know the um, the, the practice of criminal law, it's stymied it uh, in a major way. The cases aren't moving. You've got bail hearings that are being delayed. That people are just literally just sitting in prison, rotting. You know, people that even shouldn't be there that are that are more susceptible to COVID. Older individuals with comorbidities shouldn't be in Rikers or MDC or any of the other areas, um, you know, BKDC, downtown Brooklyn, and, 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 and it's just really slowing everything down. Um, civil is just a dead stop. I mean, you, you know as well as I do. I don't know the next time we're going to be able to try a case. What jury's going to want to go to, you know, go to, uh, you know, allow us to void deer them when we have a, a deadly virus flying around um, that uh, we don't have a vaccine for yet. Yeah. Uh, so I don't blame them. So I don't, and even court personnel um, don't want to be there. So everything is going to be that we can do virtually is being done virtually. Jury trials are the are the cornerstone of our of our system, and yep. and without the jury trial, like you said, you have criminal defendants who are waiting for their day in court. They're being charged with yep. crimes. Either they're being held, right. they're being held in in jail, uh, waiting right. for something to happen. Right. You have uh, right. people, and then you you have the other issue where a, a, a decent sized population was released from from jail. Where they normally would right. maybe would have been still in jail, uh, but for the yep. COVID the COVID uh, pandemic. So, uh, on the civil right. on the civil end of it, um, what this does it, it, is it it prevents obviously uh, a day in court, but it allows wrongdoers yep. wrongdoers whether it's it's through police brutality, whether it's through medical malpractice, whether it's through any other right. form of negligence, that these wrongdoers are not being held accountable and. Right. If if that's not happening, I worry in the long term for our mm-hmm. de- for our democracy. Yeah, I mean, look, if, if we're not able to get redress from the courts, um, you know, if you're if you're you know, under federal law, you're only supposed to be held 24 hours before you have a probable cause hearing. It's mind boggling what what's going on here. Right. I mean, it's just well, there's not much light at the end of the tunnel right now, at least for the immediate future. Yeah. I mean, long term, we're going to be mm-hmm. fine. You know, long term, we have yeah. we have a lot of repair to do. And we have a lot yeah. of we have a lot of work to do, and we're going to get it I done. Agree. We're going to get it done, uh, but but it's mm-hmm. going to it's going to take some commitment, and it's going to take uh, uh, having the strength not to not to make this normal, right? Yeah, we, we have to make sure exactly. that that we re- we repair this the best we can. Andrew, it it is uh it's a, like I said, it's a great honor and a, and a pleasure to have you on, and I I thank you for coming. Well, thank you. Um, I appreciate it, David. Just tell everybody where they can find you. Right. Uh, so you can follow me on Twitter at uh, Laufelaw, uh, and you can email me at info at laufelawgroup.com. Uh, and if you have any questions regarding what went on here, if you have an issue you want to uh, you know, discuss on the subject that we discussed here, by all, by all means, give me, give me a call, contact me. You got it. And uh, I can say that your Twitter account is uh, one of my favorites. And if you're not following Andrew, <laughs> if you're not that. following Andrew on Twitter, you better, you better jump on real soon. All right. Thanks again, Andrew. My, we'll talk to you real soon. I'll have, I'll have you back if you'd come. Sounds great. I appreciate that. All right. Take care. I want to just close today's episode with some thoughts and some observations. You know, the killing of George Floyd 
has brought us to the tipping point. It's brought us to the tipping point in the problem we face with police misconduct and race relations. And after two weeks of largely peaceful protests, it is becoming apparent that the Black Lives Matter movement is changing the way many white Americans view policing in this country. There is now wider recognition of the problem of police misconduct and police violence. This has to change, and it can be done if we take a number of steps, and some of those steps we talked about today. uh, The first thing is the repeal of Section 50A is very important. And it's very important because it can be done while we safeguard the concerns of the police officers. Now, the police officers oppose it, and the police unions and some other police organizations oppose the repeal of 50A because they feel that uh, the personal information of the officers getting out into the public is going to be extremely detrimental and very harmful, and in fact will demonize uh, the, the police officers. Now, I agree that an officer's home address, his phone number, his email address, and things like that are not to be put in the public view. However, his disciplinary record, sure as heck, should be in there. And this legislation uh, that the New York State Legislature is currently uh, introducing as we speak uh, to repeal Section 50A uh, will we'll bring about accountability, transparency, and it's not going to be, it's not attacking law enforcement for doing their job. Repealing Article 50A is about accountability and transparency. It's not about attacking law enforcement for doing their job, as some have argued. The second thing we need to do is we need to find a way to get rid of the bad apples. All right? And like any other profession, there are some bad apples. And the rest of the police departments, the police officers, should have an interest in getting rid of those bad apples. And, you know, it reminds me of the analogy uh, in the medical malpractice world where, you know, I, I talked to a, a, a very good friend of mine who's a, who's a physician, and he said to me, you keep doing what you're doing, going after those bad doctors. And he said, because those bad doctors make a bad name for all of us. And it's the same thing with the police force. They should have an interest in protecting their good name. And uh, that, that's the next step. And if we do that, it'll bring credibility. Uh, it'll, it'll make for a much more efficient and safer uh, policing. We must also redefine qualified immunity. And we must set a more realistic standard for police officers. Now, What the protection of qualified immunity basically tells a police officer is shoot first and think later. And and that sends a clear message to the public that unreasonable and sometimes deadly conduct will go unpunished. We also must ignore the calls for defunding of our police departments. This makes absolutely no sense. It it is, uh, I think it's just a lot of noise. I I think... uh, Defunding is not the answer. Reform is the answer. And we need resources to effectuate that reform. So that argument uh, with respect to defunding is actually ludicrous. Finally, we are at an inflection point. We must not squander this opportunity 
to make real change. We have so many examples of proper policing that we've seen over these weeks during the protests. We've seen officers taking a knee. We've seen officers making a connection with the protesters. And during these, most of the protests as we've seen have been peaceful. Uh, any violence or looting as we know and, and as we've seen has been from outside agitators and, and not the protesters holding the signs. Um, but we all have a stake in the outcome of this. We must not only choose to live in a just society, but we must make the commitment to it and we must have the courage to make it happen. Police departments must make the effort to expose and discharge the bad apples. Thank you for joining us on The Trial Brief. I'm your host, David Otto. We'll see you next week. We'd appreciate your feedback with a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Share this episode with a friend, and we'll see you next time on The Trial Brief. Thank you.